Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come and be our teacher, be with us. We thank you for uh, the gift of work, and um, we ask that you would uh, give us uh, your understanding of what you created us for, and uh, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, come on in. Sometimes um, when I teach, I like to teach about something I really know a lot about. And sometimes when I teach, I like to teach about something I'm just thinking about and, and, and hadn't, hadn't learned all the way yet. And this is sort of one of those things. I, um, I've always been interested in uh, leadership. And uh, actually before seminary, I read a lot of those. It was kind of popular where I was working to, um, at the YMCA to read a lot of leadership books. I think those are, are fruitful, some uh, bordering on, on self-help and self-actualization. And, um, and, and yet I'm drawn to those, those kinds of works, and, and, and yet you know, my theology doesn't always line up with those things. Um, and so I, I have noticed that, that sort of dichotomy. I don't know if you have as well. And, um, and I just wanted to do some thinking about it. And so I, I thought we would talk about uh, work and leadership and um, how do we know what we're doing is what God wants us to do, and and that and ask those sort of questions. So, uh, this is a three-part class. Um, we are I'll be off next week. I had a prior uh, commitment already teaching uh, next week, a uh, one-off thing. So uh, this week and then the 22nd and 29th. Um, I think, and, and and maybe you think that the church should have. Don't feel about any. Just walk right across. Grab a, a handout um, would be great. And then. Um, uh, I, I think that the church should have something to say about the way that you spend most of your waking hours. And, and that, that it, we have a lot to say uh, about family, which, uh, which for most of you is nights and weekends. And, um, and, that's, and so it's really important. And, that, and those are great. We need to talk about family and, and, and all of that. Uh, but what does the church have to say about work? That's what you, uh, many of you, many of us, I should say, give our lives to. And what does the church have to say about work? Well, that question itself, that can mean a lot of things. It could mean, uh, what does the church have to say about work ethic? It is how hard we work, what, what we put our efforts uh, in. What does the church have to say about business ethics and, and the way we conduct ourselves uh, with others? Uh, what does the church have to say about vocation, uh, our calling, our, our um, sense of purpose, and what we are made to do and put on this planet to do? What does the church have to say about the means by which we support our family? And, um, and finally, what does the church have to say uh, about the means by which I support my family? So you can see sort of um, uh, the sort of general, uh, how, how, uh, what does the church have to say about how we support our, our family? But then what about me and the job I'm in and the work that I do? Uh, how, how does, what does the church have to say about that? Uh, what does the church have to say about investing or architecture or car sales? Uh, what does is, what is, uh, the church have to say about real estate or travel planning or accounting? Uh, what, is, uh, what does the church have to say uh, about that specifically? I want to just sort of open up on the back of your handout. I, you know, Frank loves the New Yorker cartoons and, and finds a lot of meaning, and I think he's, he's right about that. I love Calvin and Hobbes. Like, it just speaks to my soul in such a, in such a way. Uh, and I just thought these, these sort of spoke to, uh, to work and, and how we view ourselves and and the work we put into things, and I just love the you know the top one. Calvin is is with the yo-yo, and he's he's totally frustrated. And it's not working. He says, "I can't imagine mastering the skills involved here 
without a clear, clear understanding of who's going to be impressed. You know, that's, that's, uh, that's just a great, uh, a great picture of, uh, I know, uh, a lot of times, I, it's probably not surprising to you. I mean, when I am uh, preparing a sermon, I, I think about you a lot, and I think about Frank Limehouse a lot, and um, and I think about God as much as I remember. I mean, you know, isn't that terrible? Like, that's a, um, that should be really, and I, and I have to come back to this over and over again, audience of one, you know, what, Lord, what do you want to say to the people? But uh, so many times I, I find myself thinking about how is this going to, and I, you know, there's a, there's a place for it, but there's a correct order, but and sometimes I get out of order. When, uh, you know, who's going to hear this the right way, and is this going to be funny for these people, and that, that kind of thing. Uh, who's going to be impressed? Uh, Cal, second one, Calvin says, I'm destined for greatness. I just know it. Calvin the Great, they'll call me. And think how lucky you'll be, Hobbes. You'll get to tell everyone uh, that you knew me as a kid. What a privilege. And in fact, all the papers and magazines will probably want to interview you to find out what I'm really like. This is, you know, delusions of grandeur. And, uh, and boy, will you have to cough up to keep me quiet. Um, I just thought, I just <laughs> coming back reality. Anyway, I just thought that that's sort of, uh, uh, I, I can remember coming out of college and I was, uh, I went to Wake Forest. And, and at Wake Forest, I mean, they tell you, I mean, you're, you're the, you're the cream of the crop. You're the best of the best. You're coming out. And uh, I was a sociology major. You know, not a lot of people are hiring sociology majors. And I'm sitting out interviews, and I'm thinking, if somebody would just hire me, like, I could do anything. There's nothing that somebody can't teach me how to do. And, man, I could not get a, get through the front door. But, um, but uh, it, these delusions of grandeur. Uh, I want to just acknowledge a potential conflict uh, and sort of what we teach here and what the way that we live our lives uh, we and so what I hope to do is sort of in the course of these three three parts sort of marry um, the, the conflict and, and, um, and or answer uh, we're justified by our uh, faith and not by our works we're justified by faith and not by works that is the gospel truth we say that in the sermon uh, in some way some form or fashion every week we're justified by faith in Christ and His work, not in our works, and yet we work to earn a living to support our family. Uh, we, our faith tells us that performance doesn't matter, and yet we go to work and performance is everything. And, and frankly, it should be. You, you, you know, your, your, your work, your business system is going to fail if you give grace to somebody and give them this great promotion and this you know, hierarchy based on, not on their merit. That, that doesn't make sense. If some, if you if you are gunning for promotion and, and somebody gets it that is not qualified and has made a lot of mistakes, and th- we know and that's not right. Performance is everything. And so, so what I what I wonder, and I'd love to just ask the question, if if you sort of reflect on your own life, what I wonder is, does that create a sort of practical dichotomy, where maybe nights and weekends uh, we act and believe one way where during the days we believe uh, and act another um we uh, is there this sort of these separate separate spheres because it just doesn't we just don't know how to make justification by faith work in our work we don't know uh, about uh, that so that we have our sort of real lives and then we have our church lives our faith lives over here and and never the twain shall meet because we just don't know how to say we we believe that we're justified by faith. We believe that our performance doesn't matter before God, but but really in our whole life, performance matters. And so, um, you know, Jeff, you're not going to say to your patient, well, I'm really sorry I screwed up that surgery, um, and, but, you know, hey, I'm justified by my faith. 
You know, like <laughs> so. Like, how does that? Uh, how how does that? Um, how does it work? We spend a lot of time uh, picking apart identity and idolatry, and this we you know talking about you know our and, and sort of saying in in, in not a, not a positive way. That we, what we do is that we wrap our identities up in our work, in our performance. We are what we do. And we say, actually, that's not true. We are what Christ has done. If you are in Christ, you're a new creation. And so, so here, here's, here's the problem that we say. The problem that we say is that we wrap our identities up in our performance. The truth is that our performance doesn't matter because Jesus paid it all. And so the solution is don't identify yourself with uh, your uh, performance, but with the performance of Christ on the cross and in His resurrection. That's true. It's all true. And yet, I wonder if, and I wonder if sometimes you feel like that's sort of a straw man. Like it, it's, it's, we set it up and we knock it down. And, and um, I mean, it doesn't mean it's not true. And I just, I wonder... Um, if the straw man has legs, you know, does, does it does 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 it walk into your own life? And so, I'm sure some of you have thought maybe thought through these things, and some of you have just wondered about how to how to make this work. And I'd love to just kind of get a get a temperature check. I mean, how does, does this does does the question make sense? Do, do you guys wrestle with the question or um, identify with it at all? What what are you? How does it how does it raise for you? Is there, it, does it create a dichotomy? It does. It does. In the Lord's Prayer, we, we pray, forgive us our sins, you know, and we forgive others. Mm-hmm. And at work, you have to hold people accountable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So where's grace? And so that's yeah. always intention. Yep. And where's grace when you have to hold people accountable? That's right. If you're holding someone accountable, that doesn't mean you don't have grace. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you could one strike and you're out, one strike and you're on the street is dramatically different from, you know, that's no grace whatsoever than a little coaching along the way. Mm-hmm. You know, I had somebody in my office who came in and he absolutely dog cussed one of my colleagues over nothing this man was involved in. Mm-hmm. He's a professed Christian. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've never heard anybody talk to you that way. Yeah. And obviously, no, uh, you know, kind of an interesting statement yeah sure yeah i mean absolutely i mean not so not you but completely the work side of him yeah was absolutely separate from the christian life yeah at least in that instant in, in yeah 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 well yeah <laughs> yeah i don't know much yeah. else other than that yeah. Have another reaction. Well, it's, yeah wouldn't the answer to the question have something to do with your motivation uh-huh working for why you work not whether you work but why what yeah what are you working for yeah yeah and that's not a clear. That's not black and white. A lot of times, is it? That's that's pretty gray. Am I working for the Lord? I'm working for yes. But I also got to pay my mortgage. You know, so there's a lot of. Um, but I chose that mortgage. You know, I could have chosen a different mortgage. So there's there's a lot there's a lot involved in that question. And we're going to get to that really over the next couple of weeks. Um, so that's good. It's really good. Yeah, Amy. I mean, I think like with everything, you know, you you can hold people to standards. I mean, I think the same thing. You know, with your children. You know that you're gonna. It doesn't mean that you don't hold them to standards and have mm-hmm. consequences, whether it's your employees, your coworkers, your children, or whatever it is. But so much of it is. I mean, I think the grace comes in and how you, mm-hmm. how we hold them to the standards, sure. how we, how we give them the consequences. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and I think your relationships, you know, with your 
coworkers or your employees or whatever, mm-hmm. and that they, yes, you're going to, I mean, I think Christ wants us to work with excellence, but, I mean, it's how we, like, in our relationships with them, mm-hmm. in our um, tone with them, and I think that's where mm-hmm. grace can, can come through. Sure, and, and I, I guess... I don't mean to say that I, I don't expect that in some regard you're, you're gracious or there's not a proper use of the law uh, in um, uh, in our workplace, but to say that in our own hearts, in our own minds, we're not really sure uh, how our faith has legs at work. Um, it, how do we how do we live as as Christians uh, in in our workplace? Um, and so over the next couple of weeks, I just want to sort of ask these these questions, and, and I'd love to hear if you have other questions to sort of add to the list, but. Um, just sort of gui- guided conversations, because again, I'm, I don't feel like I'm an authority on this. Um, what does it mean to to demonstrate leadership in the business world? Uh, you might say the secular world, and I don't mean godless, but um, pagan in the sense of pagan. But it, just in your job, you don't work for the church. Most of you, you might volunteer, but how does the place that pays you? Uh, how do you demonstrate leadership there? Uh, can we? Or should we, as Christians, pursue greatness in our careers? How, how, do, we, how do we negotiate that? Um, how do we rightly uh, view our careers, um, biblically, Christianly? How do we view our careers? How do we choose our careers, biblically? Um, uh, what, are, what are my responsibilities as a Christian in a secular work environment? Uh, there, you can read. You can go to the Christian bookstore and read books about the way that you are a Christian at work is that you evangelize your coworkers. Like that is your job as a Christian. That is really the only job you have as a Christian. I really disagree with that, uh, but that that's out there. I mean, you know, like what? So what is my responsibility as a Christian if I have a uh, someone who's not a believer um, that works in the cube next to me or in the office down the hall? Um, what are my responsibilities as a Christian? in a secular work environment? And how do I answer the question, as as you were getting to, how do I answer the question of what I'm really actually working for? Um, What is the question of purpose? Um, Am I I purpose-driven? So that's what I really want you all to be after after this course, (laughs) purpose-driven. That's right. No, No, um, I'm not really following a curriculum. I I will say... um, that uh, th- I've, I'm reading about halfway through this book, um, Tim Keller. We do have it uh, in our bookstore. Every good endeavor. It's uh, I think it's like every. I mean, I'm a you know I'm a Keller fan, and many of you are too. It's it's I found it really good and insightful. I don't think it's the end all be all. Um, another work that I'm, I'm looking at is uh, called The Call by uh, Oz Guinness, and then there's um, there's an article in Mo- a couple of articles in Modern Reformation, which is a publication. Um, so I'm just kind of looking at those things. I'd, I really, if you have insights or links or resources, you email me, call me. I'd really be interested to hear uh, what you have to say. Um, so I wanted to just this week lay the foundation, the biblical foundation um, for the view, our view of work. And so I've given you a few verses to, to take a look at. We're going to spend most of our time uh, in the first three chapters of Genesis. And um, I, I think they're really, really um, compelling, really, really important. And, and, of course, the first, there, you may or may not be aware, there's two creation accounts. There's, there's Genesis 1 and there's Genesis 2. And Genesis 1 is, um, it's, it's nuanced and it's um, poetic and it's, it's, it's like an orchestral prelude. It's just this, uh, I mean, 
God creates uh, light, and then he creates um, space, and then he creates land, and then three days after he creates light, he creates the sun and the stars and the moon. <laughs> and I mean, how did the, Where did the light come from? Um, and it, but it's, it's balanced, it's, it's orchestrated, it's, um, it's poetic, artistic. And then you have this sort of earthy version. And, and, and one way you might think about that is, again, it's sort of, here's sort of the artistic preamble, and then here's how it really happened. Um, and so that's just one way you might, you might think about it. But, um, but in that first sort of artistic preamble, there, it doesn't mean there's not truth in it. There's a, there's a lot of truth in it, um, especially in this idea of image bearing. And so Genesis 1, 27 and 28, and there are a couple of, if, if you'd rather look at a Bible, there's somebody brought a, a couple of Bibles in, and that's great if you'd rather look at that. Um, uh, Genesis 1, 27 and 28, uh, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So God creates humanity, the pinnacle of creation, male and female, created nothing else and all of creation was created uh, was said to be created in the image of God um, that is as lofty a description as you could possibly hope to have about um, your humanity you are created in the image of God and regardless of faith regardless of belief regardless of how one identifies themselves all humanity uh, is created after the image of God, um, and then the, so there is this. Uh, there are five things that God says. He, he creates us. He blesses uh, us, and then in that blessing, this is what He says. He gives commands: be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion. So God's first command was to bear fruit. Bear fruit. Be productive. Be creative. Um, be involved in a process that creates something that's sweet and wonderful and good for others to partake in. Um, create things mul- that multiply. Create things that create things. There's this idea of, um, of that we are created to be productive. And I really, I sort of thought this was always sort of about sex. Uh, it, it's really not. And I don't mean to be funny about that. I, I just, um, I, not in a dirty sort of way, but just, just go out and, 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 and multiply, fill the earth. But, but there's so much more uh, to it. God's first command was to bear fruit. He could have done all of what he told humans to do himself with just a word. He had spent the last six days in whatever epoch you um, understand that to be. He created six days of creation. He had spent creating things with, out of nothing with his word. He could have filled the earth himself. He could have just said, let there be buildings. And there would have been. Let there be paved roads and technology. But he didn't do any of that. It's interesting. What I've learned in sort of thinking about this and doing some research, Martin Luther who I love. I, I've read some Martin Luther, but I didn't know this. Martin Luther has, I mean, he, he did incredible work on the idea of vocation and, um, and spent a lot, very revolutionary. The, uh, the pre, sort of pre-Reformation um, Roman idea of vocation work was that there was 
like there was God, godly work was uh, was in the church. They were priests, monks, and nuns, and those are the ones who were doing God's work. And everybody else was consigned to not do God's work. That was, that was secular work. That was low-level, um, you know, farmers and getting dirty. And 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 what Martin Luther said is that is absolutely an unbiblical position. That all work is uh, ha- has dignity. The only difference between wilderness and civilization is human work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That people are fruitful, and in regards to making, and you were talking particularly about he could bake all these rows, all that, but he couldn't. He needed us as humans to do the fruits of the spirit, mm-hmm. and think about it in that way, in all those different. Well, he didn't need us to do anything. Yeah, I do think he has he given us to intention. to have the fruits of the spirit, right. um, and I, I think that's a. Uh, that's a fine way. That would be after his. That's another way we bear bear his image is in in reflecting his character. Absolutely. Uh, but I do think um, you know the call is in being fruitful is to just to be productive. You know, and so that's that's a good. Um, so I do think yeah, bearing the fruits of the spirit is is one way to think about that. But I don't think it's a wrong way to think about it. But I don't think it's the only way to think about it. Um, the uh, so let I me mean, think. I had a glass of milk. This morning, in in order to drink a um, a glass of milk, you have to have uh, a farmer, and surely a veterinarian, and a bottler, and a truck driver. If you're gonna have a truck driver, you gotta have trucks. You gotta have engineers and and tire manufacturers and steel uh, manufacturers and auto workers and and then you uh, and then you have to have a team of accountants and and marketers and uh, grocers and road pavers. Think of all the work that came into my glass of milk this morning, or the clothes you're wearing, or the chair you're sitting in. Martin Luther said that uh, we pray, um, give us this day our daily bread. And the means by which God provides for us is human work. And I, 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 that just is fascinating to me. Yeah. I want to say one thing that mm-hmm. really kind of has been on my heart lately is that the glass of milk just brought it to bear. Mm-hmm. But we've made things complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, if you were the farmer yourself working on the land, none of that other stuff would have been necessary. And that as humans, perhaps because um, we want to work and be so productive, mm-hmm. made things extremely complex that perhaps God wanted us to just remain very simple. Well, I haven't it's gotten I haven't gotten the fall yet. I haven't gotten there yet, but um, we're, we're 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 getting to the fall for sure. But um but Yeah, sure. So do we think that we would be more productive mm-hmm. if it's a command for, to be productive? Do we think we would be more productive without the fall or after the fall? Because with the fall we become comparative we want to. We start measuring. Mm-hmm. Well, I produced more than you produced. Uh, you know, I wonder what this country would be. Whether mm-hmm. it would be the great country that it is, if we all embrace this, you know, kind of a kumbayaish kind mm-hmm. of non-comparative uh, mode. 
I don't think I'm gonna have to sing Kumbaya in Heaven, but um, the uh, all right, Fran, what do you think? About it? No, um, the um, the uh, I, I don't really know how to answer that um, because I don't th- we don't really know how to think about life without the fall. I mean, it, it so permeates. It, it's not something that we can escape, or even really should try to. Um, so would we be more productive without the fall, or should we? I, I don't. I'm not sure I know how to answer that question. But how many of these farmers have gone out of business because yeah. there are other farmers using better pro- production techniques? That, yeah. That, you know, so it's. Well, I, I, I'm again. I, I I'm not here to say that that you know, large conglomerates are, are better or worse than anything. Just just simply to say that that the way that God provides for us is work. You know, he's he's not going to say, you know, I need a glass of milk, so he's not going to make one appear. Um, there is work that goes into providing. That's that's really all. Is that work is a part of uh, who we were created to be. Um, he says, subdue the earth and have dominion. It's not a tyrannical subduing. It's it's again, it's before the fall. That this is this is part of who God created us to be is to work, and um, it, and it's you know to subdue the earth is is to have stewardship. It's not to um, not not to uh, again, you know, rule over it with an iron fist. We again, if, when I think of subduing, I, I think of sort of this top-down hierarchical thing, and, and that's because I'm what's natural to me, and all the categories I have are are fallen, and and so, um, but but really, from this is pre-fall, so this is just caring on behalf of the true owner. That's um, stewardship. So, uh, but there is authority. So if we're had to have dominion, we're to have authority. Um, it bears the image of God. It's in accordance with His nature and His plan for creation. Now, uh, again, so our, we have a drive, a need, a, a desire to be great, like Calvin, and you know this Calvin the Great. They'll call me, and, and that that desire, that drive, has a great origin because we're created in the image of God, who is great. And yet, you know, our, of course, it's fallen. That that desire, that drive, is is bent good. It's it's broken. Um, and so um, it, it is now. But it has a good origin. So let's look at Genesis 2.15. Uh, the Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. Again, this is pre-fall. Um, one author I like made, made sort of hay about the fact that men are created outside the garden and then put there and placed there. That you know They're sort of these wild, rugged men or whatever. But... Um, <laughs> that uh, being in the garden is not part of our, you know, it's not where we were created, but and Eve was created in the garden. Um, but but work was always part of the plan. Uh, there are two institutions that God established before uh, before the fall, and that is work and marriage. Work and marriage. So it's um, it, so it's not it's not wrong to feel a drive to work, a need or desire to contribute. To society, to contribute um, to your family, to work, uh, or it is not wrong to uh, to get a sense of satisfaction uh, from that work. We were made we were made to work. God put before the fall. God picked Adam up before even before even uh, Eve was there and put him in the in the garden to work it. Remember, he he had to um, name all the animals. Think how think how how long. That must have taken. What what an enormous. It takes like three words in the in the Bible. Think of how long, how many, how vast 
creation is and how long that must have taken. And he, I, I don't even, I don't know if he would have felt lonely or, I mean, not a suitable helper was, was found for him. Did he, I don't, I don't, I don't know. But, um, but work was always part of it. And actually, this is completely unique. This, this worldview, the Judeo-Christian worldview, this Genesis worldview, is completely unique among other ways of thinking. The, the goal for most worldviews, um, uh, sort of religious and secular, is, is retirement. You know, it's, it's escape from work. It's, um, it's, we, we were, um, work is a necessary evil, and we want to be done with it as quickly as possible. Which is not to say you're wrong for trying to retire, um, but it is to say that, um, that, that war, there is dignity uh, in work. It's a major part of uh, who we are. The, the biblical uh, creation narratives um, give, show that there is dignity and there is value and there is intrinsic purpose in all work, not just church work, uh, but in all work. Now, of course, I don't mean you know, porn pushers and drug dealers and that kind of work, uh, but, but uh, in, in, in valuable work that's contributing to society, there's dignity and godliness in there. Um, now we all have different giftings, natural skill sets, etc. Um, and we may not be right to find our ultimate purpose, our ultimate sense of being in our work, because we, we want to hold our careers lightly um, as, as given, but, um, but we are right to find value um, in contributing. Uh, but then there's the fall. Then there's the fall for sure. And, and um, so let's read, let me read Genesis 3, 17 and 19. You've got that in your handout. So Adam and Eve eaten the. Uh, they listened to the snake and they um, they ate the apple. And and I've always wondered is and this will actually be in the um, the blog post for tomorrow uh, if you do that. A little plug for that. There's some brochures over here. Um, I've always wondered if the first sin was eating the apple or wanting to eat the apple, um, wanting to be like God. This sort of if you eat if you eat it, the, God knows that if you eat it. Then you'll you'll become like him. Hmm, really? Maybe that doesn't sound so bad. Um, and and yeah, right, right. He's resting. Um, and so God comes and he sees what's happening. Who told you you're, you're naked? And there's all there's so much more to be said about this. But then uh, he said to Adam, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten the tree of which I commanded you, uh, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. This very the workplace. Curse is the place I put you to work. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth uh, for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground. For out of it you are taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. So we see. Uh, not just that death comes from sin, you're to, made from dust, and to dust you shall return, but actually um, the thorns and thistles in our labor, the very place that we are made to work uh, is cursed. Now, I, I, so we were, we were made to work, and work was cursed. That, that was one of the first things. Also, what was you know what he says to the uh, woman, I'll put enmity, um, I mean, uh, sorry, to the woman, I will multiply your pain in childbearing and um, you, your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. Now scholars are, are varied in what exactly that means but pretty much everybody understands that there is that relationships are going to be hard. Um, 
So in the two institutions that God instituted, work and marriage, uh, sin has takes its direct uh, first hit in work and marriage, and um, and and now marriage is work, and we are become married to our jobs. So um, as a result, so um, the uh, sin, uh, the the thing because of sin, the thing that we were created for. Uh, becomes cursed. And, and you may feel incredibly blessed and find great value in your work, and there's still thorns and thistles. I mean, there's still you know thorns in your side and things that you're doing what you were created. I mean, I love my job. I, 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 I'm made for this, and I was created, and I just find such value in it. And there's still thorns and thistles. There's things that don't go the way you think, and there's microphones that don't work, and there's people, you know, hires that don't work out, and there's denominations that drive you crazy, and just, just theoretically, but um, there's just, there's, um, there's, there's all sorts of, of things that go wrong in your workplace. Why? Because you're dealing with other people, and they're falling too. And so um, sin infects our work. But now, but that's not the end of our story. And that the, um, uh, of course, we, we are Christians, and we are redeemed. And so this is what I want to get to in the next couple of weeks. And again, not next week, but uh, the 22nd and the 29th. The cross changes everything. And the resurrection changes uh, everything. It no longer becomes true about us that we are... Uh, completely fallen. We are fallen. We are com- well. I'm sorry. Let me say it. we are completely fallen, and yet we are completely redeemed. That we are a hundred percent children of God. Uh, our sin uh, has been uh, taken and paid for on the cross, and so it, God no longer uh, counts it against us. And uh, Gerard Forday, uh, uh, a Lutheran scholar, said that that the sum of our life is learning to live into the reality of our justification the truth uh, about that now as Christians. And so um, Jesus, uh, somebody asked Jesus, this is Mark uh, 12, um, one of the scribes came up and, and heard them disputing with one another and seeing they answered them well, asked Jesus, what commandment is the most important of all? And Jesus answered, the most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. And what I, um, that's called, the, we call that the summary of the law. And um, what I would say is that um, justification by faith, that is the idea that, um, that Christ has achieved victory over sin, and every sin in every aspect of our lives, nights and weekends, but also the days, uh, in our work, in our family, in our relationships, in our hearts. Um, Christ has achieved victory over sin and death through the cross and the resurrection. And and now what that does is it returns us to work as service. doesn't mean that you have to be in a service industry. But your work, my work, uh, our work is service. It is a means, not I don't want to say the only means, but it is a mean by which we return to the commands to love God and to love our neighbor. Um, and, and what that does is it draws us into the question of our own motivation. Who are we working for? What are we working for? Why do we do what we do? Do we do what we do to serve ourselves or do we do it to serve others? And I can't answer that for you. I can't answer that about your career path or your the way that you enter into it. I can certainly say, I know lots of 
uh, folks and I, uh, in the cler- clergy ranks, and I struggle with myself, that we have just as much temptation to serve ourselves in this as, as anybody in, in any other vocation. Uh, we all, we live in that already and not yet. And so uh, Martin Luther said in his 95 Theses, Theses number one, all of life is repentance. And, um, and so we are constantly going back and uh, asking the Lord to take what broken crumbs we have and make them into a loaf of bread. But, um, but asking, um, but so renewing ourselves in Christ and offering him um, work as service. So I just sort of leave that with you. I, I, we have a couple of minutes just to uh, have a little discussion and um, back and forth, and um, and I just give that to you, and, and we'll come back and ask some questions. But again, even over the next couple of weeks, we'd love your your feedback and other questions. What what, what thoughts do you have before we close up? How, do, how does am I missing something? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. What do you think? It needs to be longer than the three parts. Yeah, maybe so. <laughs> we'll spend the next year talking about. Um, I wish I, I. Yeah, I do commend you know this worker, the um, Keller, or any, any other book that you can think of uh, about. It's just good to be hear what other people have to say about it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Either either ultimately to serve yourself or you get become too burnt out to serve effectively. Yeah. What else? The bells are ringing. Um, the blog does start tomorrow. The the Bible in your reading plan. Would love if you <laughs> feel led to do that to, to participate. The in a year part is a um, is a guide, not a not a law. I do have some. Um, uh, as you walk out, there's some brochures over here. The the plan printed out. There's some in Claimant Commons as well in the bookstore. Also, love for you to do that and read our posts uh, on the website Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturdays. Let me finish with prayer. Heavenly Father, thanks so much that you made us in your image and you uh, gave us work to do. Help us to ask the hard questions uh, of ourselves, of you, of what you've made us for, why we're doing what we're doing, what is our responsibility. Um, Guide our conversations. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.